to just 10. Number 10, how to find contentment. The closest to perfection a person comes is when they fill out a job application form. The biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. The grass appears greener on the other side of the fence. People live in one of two tents, content or discontent. However long you take over the menu, deciding which dessert to have, when the person's next to you arrives, you realise you've made the wrong choice. The average family ambition is to make as much money as they are spending. But our yearnings will always exceed our earnings. Just when we think we are going to make ends meet, someone moves the ends. However much we earn, we are always saying, I don't know where it all goes. Do you know what the definition is of the word budget? It is a mathematical confirmation of our suspicions. Many people shop impulsively. I see it, I want it, I've got to have it. Many of us can't resist a sale. Look how much money I'm saving. And we think, if I don't buy it now, it will cost more later. Do you know what that's called? That's called costophobia. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> buy now, pay later, 52 easy payments, I've never met an easy payment in my life. <laughs> Nowadays, people can be divided into three groups. The haves, the have-nots, and the have-not-paid-for-what-they-haves. <laughs> we need to treat credit with extreme caution. Credit we can manage now may very quickly become debt we cannot. Here's a very wise motto. Use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. And some of us may even need plastic surgery. We need to cut up our credit cards. The 10th commandment reads, do not cover your neighbor's house or anything else your neighbor owns. Exodus 20, verse 17. The word covet means to desire with the intent to own something that can never rightfully be ours. Today, the word we use for covet is materialism. Where would advertisers be if they couldn't count on our desire to covet? The problem is, the attitude of more doesn't give us contentment. And materialism can cause problems in our lives. Materialism can cause worry. Jesus said, beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Life is not measured by how much we own. When we focus on things, we worry about them. We worry we don't have enough 
or we worry about keeping what we have. The number one concern people have is finance. Most people's financial problems are simple. They're short of money. Materialism can cause weariness. The Bible says, don't weary yourself trying to make yourself rich. Why waste your time in the frantic rush to get ahead or just keep up, we get tired. And the Bible says, slow down. The thing about the rat race of life is that even if you win the race, you're still a rat. We lose our health to make money, and then we lose our money to restore our health. Materialism can cause gloom. The Bible says some people craving money have pierced themselves with many sorrows. Some people despair when they can't have what they want. If you cannot have everything, make the best of everything you have. Now, please don't draw any wrong conclusions from what I'm saying. The Bible doesn't condemn wealth the Bible doesn't condemn possessions. Nowhere does the Bible say that money is evil. What it does say is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. God is not opposed to wealth. God is opposed to the worship of it. Jesus talked a great deal about money. In fact, 16 of the 38 parables Jesus told were concerned with money and possessions. And Jesus did say, it is harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. In other words, it's really difficult. Coveting is the motive behind breaking the other nine commandments. Coveting is the mother of all sins. Why? We will lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery because we are coveting, because we want more. Coveting is like seawater. The more we drink, the thirstier we become. Let me ask you a question. Are you content. How do we find contentment? Well, here are some principles. Principle one, be grateful for what we already have. The Bible says true religion with contentment is great wealth. After all, we didn't bring anything with us when we came into the world. And we certainly cannot carry anything with us when we die. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. The best way to have a contented state of mind is to count our blessings, not our cash. We think when and then. When I get a promotion, then I'll be happy. When I get a bigger house, then I'll be happy. When and then 
and we are never happy. Don't buy into the myth of more, thinking that having more will make you happy. Learn to be content while having aspirations, ambitions, and goals. A man had no shoes and complained until he met a man who had no feet. If you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, you are richer than 75% of the population in the world. If you have money in the bank, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million people who will not survive this week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are more fortunate than 500 million people in the world today. Do you have an attitude of gratitude? Let's be grateful for what we already have. Principle two, recognize the limitations of wealth. One way my wife and I taught our children the value of money was to borrow from them. Money talks, but it doesn't always talk sense. Money is a good thing, but it is possible to pay too high a price for it. Do not value money for any more than it's worth. Wealth cannot deliver all that it promises. Money can buy medicine, but it cannot buy health. It can buy a house, but not a home. It can buy companionship, but not friendship. It can buy entertainment, but not happiness. It can buy food, but not an appetite. It can buy a bed, but not sleep. It can buy a crucifix, but not a savior. The Bible says those who love money will never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. Things satisfy for a while, but then they lose their thrill. Possessions do not give us permanent happiness and they do not give us permanent security. Again, the Bible says, the rich think of their wealth as an impregnable defense. They imagine it is a high wall of safety. If we are going to have security, we have to put it in something that will not be taken away. We can lose our wealth overnight, as many people have discovered. If money and possessions brought happiness and contentment, then the wealthiest people would be the happiest. And that's not always true. As one philosopher put it, Mick Jagger, 
I can't get no satisfaction. A man asked God how long a million years was to him. And God replied, a million years to me is just like a single second in your time. The man asked God what a million pounds was to him. God replied, a million pounds to me is just like a single penny to you. The man asked God, could I have one of your pennies? God smiled and replied, certainly, just a second. <laughs> True contentment is found not in having everything we want, but in not wanting to have everything. Recognize the limitations of wealth. Principle three, focus on people, not possessions. We can cover so much that things can become more important to us than people. Possessions cannot compensate for unhappy relationships. Relationships bring happiness, not possessions. A greedy person brings trouble to their family, Proverbs states. In our striving for riches, our marriages can break apart and our children can become more like distant relatives. The best thing that parents can give their children is time, not treasure. Our children need our presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, -E -E, more than our presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. -E we love people and we use things. If we love things, we are in danger of using people. Maturity is saying we have enough. Are you neglecting your relationships and responsibilities as a parent or as a friend? Focus on people, not possessions. Principle four, look beyond what is temporary. The Bible states we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We need to live our lives How will it bend? We need to realize that there is a whole going on than just here and now. Our life here on earth is a blip on the eternal screen. We need to look beyond what is temporary. We are not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We are in the land of the dying heading to the land of the living. Let us look beyond what is temporary.
Principle five, be a giver. I think there is often a lack of generosity in our world. Jesus talked a great deal about giving. Why? I believe because giving is the antidote to coveting. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. There is great need in the world. Is there one thing that we can do to live simply so that others can simply live? Let's be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure. Principle six, find our significance and security in Jesus Christ. We do not find contentment through possessions, pleasure, or power. Happiness in life comes from purpose. God made us for a purpose, and in Jesus, we find that purpose. Now, that's the exact opposite of what the world says, that our personal value is based on our financial value. And we think that if we own a lot, we must be worth a lot. And if we only have a little, we can't be worth very much. That is not true. God says we are valuable. We are so valuable that Jesus died on the cross for us. There's a lovely story of a famous artist who went back to the small community where he grew up. And as he's walking around the uh, community shops, he sees an antique shop. And in the front window is one of his paintings. He couldn't believe it. It was one of the paintings that he had painted years before he was famous. The frame was broken. It was dirty, it was dented, it was scratched. But he couldn't go into the shop and say, that's my painting. If he wanted it back, he had to buy it back before he could clean it, restore it, and reframe it. And that is exactly what God did for us in Jesus by buying us back on the cross, Jesus was able to clean us, to restore us, and to reframe us. Because we're valuable. You are valuable. I am valuable. I began this talk by saying, the grass appears greener on the other side of the fence. Listen, the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence or on this side of the fence. The grass is greener when we water it. Now, we may need a financial manager, but it is essential that all of us have a life coach. And the word for that is Lord. Jesus Christ can be 
our life coach. To live as a Christian and to be a friend of God is more valuable than anything. There's a lovely picture in the last book of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, of Jesus standing outside of a door, knocking. And it says, if anyone hears the knock, open the door and let him in. And that verse means a great deal to me because before I was a Christian, my friend Andy Economides was telling me about Jesus and trying to explain it to me. And then he read me that passage in Revelation. And he said to me, have you heard Jesus knocking? And I said, I think so. He said, well, have you opened the door? I said, well, where's the door? And he said, don't worry about where the door is. Ask Jesus to break the door down. And on the 9th of February, 1975, I said, Jesus, can you break the door down and come into my life? And my mind was illuminated and my heart was warmed and I've never been the same since. Don't pretend to be a Christian when you can actually become one. If anything from this talk has resonated with you, I'm going to pray a prayer now. And can I encourage you to pray this prayer with me? Lord God, you said I shouldn't covet. But sometimes in my weakness, I've reached out for things that I thought would satisfy me. Yet once I had them, they seemed like cheap counterfeits. They didn't satisfy me at all. Please help me to surrender my selfish desires. Help me, Jesus, to learn that true contentment comes from you and you alone. And so, Lord Jesus, I open the door of my life and I invite you in. Come in to cleanse me, to fill me with your presence, to restore me and reframe me for life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen.